Let's move into our last week of Samson. Um, I don't know about you guys, but this series has been one of the most fun series for me to preach on and has been maybe the most challenging in some ways because it stepped on my toes. And uh, those of you that have been here know that over the last couple of weeks I've been talking primarily to the men, and I've challenged the men that we need to be men, that we need to stand up and be leaders, that we need to lead our families, that we need to lead our children, that we need to impart spiritual truth into our kids, that we need to lead our wives sacrificially and love her the way Christ loved the church. And we've looked at a story of a guy in Scripture named Samson. You guys know the story. It's one of the most famous kids' stories in all of Scripture. We all know about Samson, and he was the strongest man that ever lived. And we've looked at him at a guy like so many of us, that has been given so much. Samson was, was born with God's hand on him, was born with a very clear purpose. God had anointed him and had ordained him to begin the deliverance of his people from the oppressive hand of the Philistines and uh, had given so much and had so much opportunity. And yet Samson, like so many of us, especially men, made bad choice after bad choice after bad choice. And, he be, and, and chased the wrong women and chased the wrong things. And over and over and over again we see him have the same weaknesses. And just never coming to grips with them and never, never really having, having victory over any of them. In the first week... Kind of our bottom line was, was this, is that we looked at Samson as an incredibly strong guy. He was, in fact, one of the strongest men that has ever lived, if not the strongest man that ever lived. And yet, in the middle of all of that physical strength, had an incredibly weak will, like many of us guys do. We like to think of ourselves as strong and able and capable, and yet when it comes sometimes to choices, we continue to make bad choices and we have a weak will and we talked about three things that make strong men weak and the first one is lust this whole thing about lust is when you see something we want it whether it's a woman whether it's a truck or whether it's a new job or whatever it is we see something and we think we just have to have it and then alongside of that comes this attitude of entitlement that not only do I want it I deserve it I've worked hard and I've done this and she hasn't I deserve this, and we see this in the life of Samson. And then alongside of entitlement, we see pride. We see this spirit of pride, and as Samson begins to make bad choice after bad choice, his pride rears its ugly head, and we see an attitude of, I can handle it, as he throws a drinking party and betrays and goes against one of the oaths that he had taken as a young man, as he was born with as a baby, to be set apart from God. And then the second week, And I don't know about you guys, but maybe this is the one that has stuck with me as much as anything, is we see Samson as a man that is emotion-driven instead of spirit-led. And I would challenge you guys, as we just review this a little bit, would you check yourself on a daily basis or several times a day as men and say, is what I'm doing right now, my actions right now, where I'm going, what I'm doing, the way I'm reacting, the way I'm responding to my wife, the way I'm responding to my kids, the way I'm responding to my employer or my employees or whatever it might be, is it spirit-led or is it emotion-driven? And we talked about the fact as much as us guys don't like to admit it, that a lot of the things that we do or maybe don't do, are driven out of emotion and almost always, without exception, is the negative 
response or the default negative response for a man is to be angry. That we respond so many times and we act so many times out of an emotion of anger instead of being spirit-led. And we see it in the life of Samson as he went on a killing spree and things went wrong for him. And instead of being spirit-led, he just kind of went crazy and, and surrendered to his anger. Last week, we looked at the fact that most men, I would say all men, And it was true of Samson. Don't ruin their lives. We don't ruin our lives, guys. And this applies to women as well, obviously. We don't ruin our lives overnight. Right? And I said this to us guys. You know, if you've had had an affair or you're tempted with an affair, you're not walking along one day and all of a sudden a bed is in front of you with a beautiful woman and you fall into the bed. It doesn't happen like that. It always is one step at a time. It's one choice at a time, and we saw that in the life of Samson. He didn't ruin his life overnight. And as we pick up the story today, Samson is in shackles. He's a laughingstock of the enemy. His eyes are gouged out. He's grinding corn. It didn't happen overnight. It was one step. It was one choice at a time. And and we looked as he walked 25 miles to find a prostitute. Then he fell in, with another, fell in love with another woman from the enemy, and she became his demise, finally. Begged him, nagged him, until he finally gave the secret, the one oath, the one of three oaths that he had not yet surrendered, that he had not yet violated. He gave her the secret, and they gave him a haircut. Cut his hair off, and it says that he lost his strength. So we pick up the story today in in the last part of Judges 16. Samson's life is in shambles. He's at the end of everything. Again, like I said, his eyes are gouged out. And by the way, commentators almost all agree that probably what they would have done to Samson is they would have burned his eyes out of his eye sockets and then whatever was left in there, they would have poked out or pulled out. Samson is at the bottom, he's at the lowest of lows, his eyes are gone, his hair is cut, he's grinding corn like an animal. Literally, they would have had him attached to this huge grindstone that was kind of in a circle thing, and he would have been pushing this huge grindstone around a circle, grinding corn for the enemy. And people would come by and they would laugh at him, and they would make fun of him, and they would spit on him, and they would throw things at him. His life was at the, at the bottom. And that brings this question to mind for you and I, as it does for Samson. What do you do? What do we do when we realize that we've blown it? What do I do as a man? What do I do as a husband? What do I do as a father? If I realize I have absolutely just blown it, I have messed up. I've wasted the gifts that God has given me. I've done things that I cannot undo. I have not done what God has created me to do. And see, the problem with us guys, even more than women, is the fact that we take failure very, very personally. 
And the reason is, is because we find value differently than you women. You know how you women find value? And generally speaking, is you find value in relationships, right? And you talk to each other, and you hug on each other, and you text each other. And if she doesn't text back right away, and it's 72 seconds instead of 10 seconds, you wonder if something is wrong. And then you might make a phone call, and everything is about relationship. For crying out loud, you women sometimes can't even go to the bathroom by yourselves. Right? It's about relationship, and there's nothing wrong with it. That's just the way it is. You find value and worth and wholeness in relationship with other people. It's the way God made you. And see, for a man, it's completely different. Although we value friendship, although we want friends, it's not where we find our worth. We find our worth, guys, aren't, don't we, in, 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 uh, in success. We find our worth completely different than women. We get value from the things that we maybe own. We get value from, from our work. And it's not so much for us guys, hey, do you like me? And hey, are we best friends and we're going to be best friends forever? The question for us guys more than do you like me is do you respect me? Do you notice my accomplishments? Do you notice my success? And we compare. And see, here's the thing that's in your outline that's so true for most of us guys. Is our greatest fear is failure. Our greatest fear is failure, and a man's greatest pain is regret. Our biggest fear is failure. It scares us to death although we may not admit it, to fail. And I would just say this, is I know guys, probably some of you here today, that are so scared of failing that you're paralyzed and won't do anything. And if you drill down deep, the reason that you're paralyzed and the reason you won't step out in faith and the reason you won't go after something is not so much just because you're conservative, is not just so much because you don't have the means, it's more because you're paralyzed by the fear of failing. Because if you fail... What will people think? If you fail, what will your friends say? How will people think of you when they see you fail? And therefore, we're so scared of failure sometimes that we do nothing at all. We're scared that we won't measure up. We want desperately to be successful. And when we don't live up to our own expectations or the expectations of someone else, We have regret, and regret is painful for us men. I wish I could have, I should have, I shouldn't have. Why did I? Why didn't I? And sometimes we can beat ourselves to death. See, here's the truth for us guys, whether we like it or not. We're all going to face, at some point in our lives, the pain of regret. All of us. Maybe some bigger, maybe some smaller, but we're all going to fail. We're all going to mess up. We're all going to have some regret in our lives. And unfortunately for some men, and maybe for some of you here today, is you will have to look into the eyes of your wife, or you will have to look into the eyes of your children, and you'll have to make things right, and you'll have to explain 
why you're addicted to what you're addicted to. And you will face the regret of betraying the people that you love the most. See, here's, here's the thing, guys. We're all in the same boat. We all make mistakes. We all have failure. And I have seen over and over and over again men, especially men, you guys, that have made mistakes. It could be pornography. It could have been an affair. It could be an addiction to a prescription drug. It could be overworking and neglecting your family, whatever it is. And you're so regretful. You're so embarrassed. You're, the, the, the fear of failing and people finding out, the fear of failing and her finding out has absolutely just paralyzed you. It could be all kinds of things. It could be a guy that's frustrated with his career. Right? Some of your friends are doing better than you are and have excelled quicker than you are, and they're making more money than you are, and they have more things than you have. It could be a man here today. It could be one of you here today that's in a marriage that isn't great. And you know that you failed her, and instead of manning up and leading your way out of failure, and instead of manning up and leading and loving out of failure and out of a miserable relationship and out of a miserable marriage, you're just stuck there. Sometimes it could be inside of you. It could be not as much an outward failure as it could be an inside failure, an inward thing. And you've promised God over and over and over again that you would never do it again. And you've made this vow and you've got on your knees and you've cried and you've promised. And you say, God, I'm, I'm walking away. I'm never going to make this mistake again. And then by Thursday, you've fallen again. And you have this incredible pain of regret and the shame of failure and the fear of failing again. And it has paralyzed you. Here's what you need to understand. And men, we have to understand this because we struggle with this so deeply. I struggle with this. Here's what you need to understand as we look at Samson. It teaches us something that we have to embrace as men and it gives us hope. And the truth is this, and you need to write this down. It's in your outline. Is failure always, 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 always. Failure is an event, not a person. Failure is always an event not a person. I was talking to someone several months ago that had got caught up in something that was really bad. And it was just this kind of this ugly thing and it had de- began to destroy the family. It had destroyed friendships. You know what sin does. And I was just talking to this person. Everything that this person talked about, everything referred back to this event. Absolutely everything. This event, this mistake had become the marker in this person's life for everything. Everything that the person referred to went back to this event. And finally I said, you know what, we just got to stop talking. And I just want you to know something. What happened back there is not you. It's an event. You are who God says you are. If you're a born-again Christian. It's an event. It's not a person. 
And if you're here today and you've made mistakes and you failed and you haven't loved her and you haven't done your kids like you need to, and on and on the story goes, and it could be years. Let me tell you, it's an event. It's not a person. Your identity is not determined by your mistakes. Your identity is determined by who you are in Jesus Christ, and we have to embrace that, and we have to believe that as men. Let's watch as this story kind of unfolds in in Judges 16. We pick it up in verse 23. Here's where we are. It says, Now the rulers of the Philistines assembled to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their god, and to celebrate, saying, "Our, Our god, Dagon, has delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hands. And here's what they were doing. They were, they were basically in a big, pretty good-sized coliseum. It would have been kind of a coliseum setting. And uh, they, were, they were offering a- uh, sacrifices, and they were having this big celebration to Dagon, which, by the way, was the head of this god was a man, and the body was a fish. It was a fish god, and they were worshiping this god of theirs in this great big, there was probably at least 3,000 people, maybe 5,000 people here. So it was a pretty big deal. There was lots of people. They were praising him. Verse 24, it says, When the people saw Samson, they praised their god, saying, Our god has delivered our enemy into our hands, the one who laid waste our land. They're referring to, remember the story of where Samson caught 300 foxes? 300 fox, however you would say that, tied their tails together two by two, put a torch with them and sent them through their fields and burnt their villages. They were saying, here's the guy that had done this and multiplied our slain. They were talking about the jawbone, killing a thousand people that were remembering all this. Verse 25, while they were in high spirits, they shouted, bring out Samson to entertain us. So they called Samson out of prison and he and he preformed for them. See, it doesn't get any lower than this. Samson is at the bottom. He's as low as you can go. They bring him out in front of all of these people to perform for them, to entertain for them, for them to laugh at. His life was a massive failure. At the bottom. Couldn't get any worse. Now, there's two responses to failure, man, and I've already touched on these. The natural response is remorse. The natural response is remorse, and this is where so many of us get stuck when we've made a mistake. We get stuck in remorse. I feel bad about what I did. I shouldn't have done it. I'm a bad person. A lot of times we turn inward. I'm horrible. I'm no good. She'll never love me. She'll never respect me. I hate myself. I hate my life. And it turns inward. And a lot of times when it turns inward, guys, it turns into this thing of who can I blame? It's her fault. It's his fault. I'm a victim of circumstances. If she wouldn't have, if he wouldn't have, then I never would have. Samson turned inward. It was all Delilah's fault, right? Right? She did this, and she nagged, and I caved, and if she wouldn't have done that, then all this stuff, right, turned into remorse. Here's a better response, and this is the right response. We talked about it last week a little bit, and it's repentance. We don't like the word repentance. I don't like the word repentance. It's an uncomfortable word, but it's not as big a deal as we make it. You know what repentance means? 
It, this is literally what it means. It means to turn around. It means if you're going this direction and you turn around and walk this way and you turn your back and you do it different, that's repentance. It means to go from lower things like sin to higher things of God. It's to turn, it's to do a 180. That's what repentance is. There's remorse. The better response is repentance. And it's this, guys. It's we just man up. We're men. And we say, you know what? I own it. I did it. It's my fault. It's not because of anybody else. It's my choice. I made the mistake. And I'm going to turn away. I'm going to do it different. I'm going to do a 180. Remember we talked about this just a little bit ago. Most men don't ruin their lives overnight. Most men ruin their lives step, one step at a time. And guys, it's as simple as this, as you recognize, you know what? This is a step in the wrong direction. I can see in my past, I have been slowly stepping the wrong way. And if I continue in this direction, it is not the direction that I want to head. Repentance is recognizing that and going this direction. It determines the direction of your life. And you know what I said last week, and this is so true, and you guys have heard this before, is it doesn't matter how good your intentions are. See, I can be taking steps in the wrong direction, and the whole time my heart and my intention is to be walking this way. Guess where my destination is going to be one day? Nowhere close to my intention. Intention never determines destination. Direction always determines destination. None of us have an intention of, re- of ending up broke and in debt when we're 45 years old over our heads. None of us have that intention. And yet, how many people end up there? And it's not because they didn't have the right intentions. It's because they step by step by step went the opposite direction of their intentions. Direction always determines destination. Repentance is recognizing that and lining up my direction with my intention. Remorse focuses on the bad. It looks back to all of the things that we did wrong. Why did I do that? And we beat ourselves up. Repentance turns again from the lower, the things that are not godly, to that which is higher. And you know what? All of us are going to do things that we can't undo. How many of you have ever sent an email or a text message to the wrong person? Yep. And I've sent some that I'm like, you push send and it's like, oh, right? And guess what? There is no undoing it. It's gone. It's sent. And there is nothing you can do except damage control. Right? And guys, if you ever get a little goofy on your, wife, on your, on your phone with your wife, make sure you're sending it to your wife. Right? Because once it's sent, it's sent. It's like toothpaste. Anybody have the ability to take toothpaste and squeeze it all out and then put it back in the tube? It's impossible. Listen, guys, we're going to have mistakes. We're going to have failure that we can never undo. It's just what it is. We can't unsend it. We can't redo it. 
We can't hit rewind. But what we can do is we can repent. We can turn. You can't undo what you've done. You can't unsend what you've sent. But you can repent. I think Samson, as we look at the story of Samson, comes to a point all of a sudden in this story where all of a sudden he remembers, and maybe he was remembering, but all of a sudden he just remembers who he is. He remembers for a moment what he was created for. He remembers for a moment that he he was born, that he was God-ordained for a purpose. He realizes that he was not created to be the laughing stock of the enemy, to be in bondage, to be in shackles, to have his eyes gouged out, to have lost everything that he loved the most. He realized, just like you and I, that he was born with a purpose and a reason to be alive. And instead of being stuck in remorse... Instead of beating himself up, instead of being paralyzed by failure, he repents. And he says this. This is what Samson says. This is his attitude. I am not going to let my past mistakes keep me from being who God wants me to be. I'm not going to let my past mistakes and my past failures determine the level that God is going to be able to use me. I think God can use me regardless of my mistakes. And listen, I want you to understand something. There is always consequences to mistakes. And the bigger the mistake, the more the consequences. Consequences are completely different and separate from forgiveness. You can be completely forgiven and still suffer the consequences. It is just the law. It's how it is. You can't change your past, but you can change your future. Watch as Samson realizes this in verse 25. It says, when they stood him. Here's the, here's the thing you have, that's interesting in this story, and I'm not sure exactly what this all means. But the enemy by this point had forgotten who Samson was. They had, they had got so kind of uh, focused on their victory and so focused on Samson and making fun of him, they completely forgot who he was. Verse 25, when they stood him among the pillars, and you and I are thinking, why would they stand him among the pillars, right? Because we know the story, and we still remember who Samson was and what he's going to do. When they stood him among the pillars, so he's in this temple, he's in this Colosseum, and obviously these pillars are large pillars and holding this whole place up. Verse 26, Samson said to the servant who held his hand, put me where I can feel the pillars that support the temple, so I can lean against them. And I'm reading that story and I'm thinking, what are they thinking? Remember, last week as we're reading the story, it already tells us that his hair is beginning to grow, that there's grace. Samson prayed to the Lord. This is so powerful. O sovereign Lord, remember me. O God, please strengthen me. Just once more. Isn't that powerful? Here's a man. Listen to me, guys. Here's a man just like you and I. Not so much different. Had wasted his life in a lot of ways. 
We had 20 years that he served faithfully, the Bible tells us. But just continued to make bad choices and bad mistakes. He's at the end. He's at the lowest of lows. And we see his heart and his attitude change. And he says, God, would you remember me just one more time? Just once. And it's like Samson is all of a sudden remembering who he is, what he was made for, what he was called to. And he says, God, if you would just give me one more chance, that's all I need. Just once more. You ever felt like that, guys? I have. I just have one more chance. Just one more chance. That's all I need. Because if you'll just give me one more chance, things will be different. All I need is one more chance. In other words, Samson is saying, listen, I know I've blown it a thousand times. I know I've messed up. We see Samson as a broken guy. We see Samson repenting. All of a sudden, we see a shift in Samson, and it's no longer about him. It's no longer Samson being the center of the story. It's Samson recognizing that it's all about God. That he is the center. That he is the main character in the story. And he's saying, listen, I just need one more chance. For the rest of my life, things are going to be different. Not going to go back. In your outline, even in your failures, even in our failures, God can still accomplish his purpose. This is good news. Remember what Samson's purpose was? It was to help start delivering his people, God's people from the Philistines. Verse 29. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. Verse 30. Then Samson said, Let me die, Let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all of his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than when he lived. He pushed the pillars with all of his might. The building came down, and he destroyed more of God's enemies the day he died than all of the years up until then. And you could go so many directions here. You know what happened with Samson? Samson operated for so many years out of his own strength. Samson operated for so many years being driven by emotion and not being spirit-led that the day that he decided to be spirit-led and the day that he turned and repented, he accomplished more in one day than he had accomplished the whole rest of his life. That tells me all kinds of things. I don't know what that tells you as a guy, but it tells me that it's never too late. It tells me it's never too late. That tells me, guys, if you're in a marriage and you've ruined your marriage or you've never built your marriage and you've never loved her the way you should love her, that it's not too late. That tells me if you're a father and you have some damage control to do with your children, that it's never too late. Quit living in remorse. I mean, I know so many guys 
And I'm guilty of this. Sometimes we beat ourselves up and we keep ourselves squashed down. And we say, well, I'll never be because I've done. And I've made so many mistakes. And you know what we are as guys? We're professional whiners. And for many of us, we need to just stop whining. We need to stop whining and we need to man up. And we need to own it. And we just need to repent. It's not too late. God is not finished with you yet. Here's the thing, guys. If you're a Christian, you have the same power that raised Christ from the dead available to you today. It's not too late. Here's the thing. For some of us guys, you need to push some pillars. You need to get rid of some pillars. You need to push against these pillars, and you need to destroy them. What pillars do you need to push down? And I want you to get really specific because you know what? I know how you guys are. You're just like me. If we don't get specific, and probably most of us here today that are men are thinking, yeah, I've got some pillars I need to push down, but we're not, name them. We're not naming them. I want you to get real specific. I want you to name the pillar or the pillars you need to push down. Could be an addiction. It could be neglecting your family. It could be mismanaging your finances and you need help. You need to get rid of pride and you need to get help. Get get specific. It could be anger and you recognize that you've been driven by anger. You've been driven by bitterness and you've not been spirit-led. Here's where the rubber meets the road for you and I. And I would ask this question not only of the men, but of all of us. And I bet you all of us, if we're honest, could say, there is something in my life I would like to be different. There is something in my life I would like to be different. It could be a relationship. It could be anything. But we probably all could identify, this is what I would like to be different. You know what the definition of insanity is? It's doing the same thing, expecting different results. That's the definition of insanity. If you want to have something different, you've got to do something different. If you want this to change, then you need to do something different. Because if you don't do anything different, nothing is going to change. Though a righteous man falls seven times, he rises again, Proverbs 24, 16. Here's where I want to leave you today. We look at this story of Samson, and Samson dies a hero. It's a kid's story for the rest of history, right? We all know the story, Samson died... All this, it was amazing, and, and we know the story. He was this big shot guy. Let me just tell you something. What Samson did was easy, literally. What Samson did was easy. I, don't, I believe this. I don't believe there's a man alive or there's a man here today that wouldn't give his life for his family. If you guys are like me, and I know you are, if someone breaks into your home at night and they threaten your wife or your children, what are you going to do? Your lamp becomes a weapon. Maybe some of you have a gun handy. And without even thinking about it, you will give your life willingly for your family. 
And if you're a man today and you're not, and you're not doing that, then you need, you're not a man. That's what Samson did. See, here's the difference between what Samson did and what we're called to do as men. You know what we're called to do as men is we're called to daily give our lives. If you're married, you're called daily to serve your wife. If you're a husband, I mean, if you're a father, you're called daily to serve your children. Some of us are thinking right now, I'd rather push pillars down and die with, with my enemies, right? That's easier. See, what you're called to do and what I'm called to do is a big deal. And it's difficult, but you can do it. Real men of God give their lives daily on a daily basis. They do not let the fear of failure and the pain of regret Keep them from being what God wants them to be. And my challenge is, is why don't you be that man? Why don't I be that man? Young or old, it doesn't matter. Why don't we be those men? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. God, thank you for the story of Samson and the challenge that it brings into our lives. God, I pray for the men here today. God, that we would push some pillars we would push some pillars down. And guys, I just want to ask you, men, women, all of you, if you guys just keep your heads bowed, if you'll just raise your hand and say, you know what, there's a couple pillars or there's a pillar I'm going to push down. I'm going to turn. I'm going to do it differently. Would you just raise your hand and we'll pray together?